the stress it's the running it's the planning it's the forgetting it's the racing ah yeah if i'm not projecting all of my holiday anxieties out into the monksterverse <laughs> i am so sorry <laughs> you'll start immediately projecting I, yeah I, that's that's what i'm doing i'm just going to vomit this will be like one of those beginner meetings the aa beginner meetings when it's just people vomiting their problems out into the room well, we should do a little of that. Um, I, it was funny. I was looking at our our Facebook group, the uh, RMA Facebook group. Yeah. And somebody, uh, you know how Spotify has been sending around the um, yeah. your year in review <laughs> stuff? Yes. And two of our listeners posted like that they are in the top 2% and have streamed like thousands of minutes of RMA. Yes. Over the course of the year, which is, you know, I'm gratified, but it's also like weird to see it. And uh, Well, I just don't believe it. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they just left it on and fell asleep, which is what one of them said they were doing. So I said, yes, we've been putting people to sleep for almost three years now. You know, that's the Uh, highest compliment uh, you can give a podcast because my favorite podcasts that I listen to, I do that very same thing with. So thank you for falling asleep to us. I mean, do they then get up and re-listen? Because that would be great. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I I, I do that. Well, in the next night, I just, if I didn't get the whole thing, if I slept through it, I listen to the episode again, and I catch different things. So I get it out there, but uh, happy to uh, keep you guys company. Uh, While you snooze. Yeah. Fucking, do you have something to say or or no? And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads in their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. I'm Mike R. And boy, do we have a we show, have a show for, you. for you. Remember today. That? We used to do that together. <laughs> we can still when, do it. When we were young. We were young podcasters. <laughs> and I was young and foolish. Today on RMA, the weather outside is frightful. And my dears, you're all so delightful. <laughs> Join us Frightful. in the chaos, pain, beauty, and joy of recovering from the gnarly grips of addiction to drugs and alcohol. The gnarly grips. Yeah, the gnarly grips. Yeah. All this and more today on a very, very special edition of RMA. Hey. And welcome back to Castle Grayskull Studios. Welcome, monsters. Welcome, all. I haven't heard uh, the term gnarly in a few years. Gnarly, we, dude. We were, uh, when I was in college, we had a friend that we used to call the gnarl because he was like very gnarly dude. And uh, <laughs> so we used to hang out at this um, this mafia bar in the Bronx because oh. they had taken oh, sort nice. of a liking to us. The um, mafia. Yeah. Okay. We would just, uh, just the, yeah. yeah, it was called, it was called Benny's. It's not there anymore. It was like on the corner of Webster Avenue and uh, 187th Street. And uh, it was just all bookies in there and, like, guys who were in the families and stuff. And um, so they would post the daily specials up on a chalkboard. And one, of the, one day they wrote lasagna up there. And then somebody added uh, ARL to the, to, the, to the end of lasagna. So it was lasagnarl. Lasagnarl. <laughs> and they were like, who, who did that? Who, who changed the board to, to lasagnarl? So the mafia is coming after you. Is what you're saying? No, they were good. They were good guys. They were just they were in uh, they were in hauling and carting and trash and no, stuff you know, like that. Yeah, harmless. They stuff. were. Uh, it was mostly gam- gambinos. 
Oh, yes, the Gambino yeah. crime family. But, uh, you know, not everybody from, from Fordham used to go to that bar. It was just a select few had kind of found it, and I think they tolerated us, um, you know, because we were just chill. We'd play pool and stuff, and uh, I think they were amused. We, uh, do I amused. amuse you? <laughs> I, you? The kids are amusing. Fight, funny yeah. how? No, that was Woody Allen. It's, I, I, I'm trying to do Joe Pesci. By the way, Joe yeah. Pesci, yes. in A Six Degree of Separation, got his start as a singing waiter in that same neighborhood. Uh, at a singing waiter, a singing waiter at a restaurant called Amici's, which was on that same street, but on the corner of Arthur Avenue and 187th street. So, um, he was, Pesci was, you know, he played mobsters, but he was definitely connected, uh, connected in that neighborhood. Yeah. So anyway, just he knew, he knew his role. So should we have a drink? Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little confused monsters. I just would like to paint a picture for you. I've shown up this morning, uh, at, uh, Castle Grayskull. And I come down to our usual spot, and before me are two what look like stemless wine glasses. And uh, it looks like a bottle of wine. Mike, what in the hell are you doing? I am. Why is there wine in the studio? What, are you, what is this? Boring. I'm. Uh, so I was on some. I was a little. Uh, I was this on is some strange. Facebook group, right? Mm. And they were talking about this one alcohol free. Uh, trigger warning. If any of you are triggered by people consuming non-alcoholic beverages, you may want to fast forward like t- five, five minutes. You sure this is non-alcoholic? See on the front, it says yeah. de-alcoholized 0%. Hmm. Okay. New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. So uh, I got to talking with some folks on our uh, Discord mm-hmm. and uh, about alcohol-free beverages and so on. And, and for some reason, I was just like, I've never had an alcohol-free wine Uh except for the whining I do to my wife all the time. But <laughs> I, um, yes. So uh, I figured there's this uh, company out there that just sells non-alcoholic beverages. You can order them by mail and they'll bring them to your door. A mail order. A mail order, I think they call that. Do they have a catalog uh, that I can send I mean, for? I guess there's a catalog <laughs> on the internet if you want to look on the website. I shall send for the catalog. I uh, forget the name of the play oh zero proof it's called nah. sorry and i don't i'm i don't want to advertise for them you but you know if you want to buy your danny treo zero proof tequila which he makes by the way 50 yeah. years sober and the guy's selling uh, fake spirits yeah you can buy that there and among other things so i got this bottle of jason geisen i don't know geisen zeglin sauvignon blanc Gieson, zero yeah. proof and uh poured out some the other day Mm. Uh, right around dinner time, and figured I would give it a try. Um, now, my relationship with zero proof booze is I'm just sort of not interested in it yeah, anymore. I was in the beginning, like as a transition, and I think that's where this stuff really uh, is helpful, right? Um, you know, there's there's plenty of arguments for and against using this stuff. I mean, you know, one of the arguments for it is, you know, it's like it's basically like a harm reduction argument. You know, you're having yeah. a zero proof cocktail. You you, you know, uh, it it's helps still you. A cocktail. It's social inclusion, right. right? I mean, so many social events revolve around alcohol and non-alcoholic options. They can help you feel included without the pressure to drink alcohol. Of course, most places don't actually have this. Stuff, Which, Aaron, yeah, right. I mean, you, most but if you have friends over the house, you're serving wine. And yeah, you don't want to make your guests feel uncomfortable because here you are serving them wine right. and you're drinking a Diet Coke or something. Right. And right. it's like, what, are you too good for us? Yeah. I mean, most people don't give a shit. No, I they mean, don't. You know, but... It's what, all in your head, but So, still. I mean, there's, you know, it, 
I mean, early in recovery, that it feels like some sort of psychological need because like the act of drinking an NA wine can fulfill like the, the habitual aspect of drinking without the risks associated with consuming alcohol. It's like um, a, a no nicotine vaping. Right. Which yeah, would be I've the seen next. that stuff, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, switching to that. Almost like smoking a clove cigarette back in the day. Yeah, remember that? No, I remember no tobacco in there. It's just that um, sweet smell. And you know, if you need like a sort of a glide path to recovery, there's always uh, this idea of a gradual transition from um, from regular alcohol beverages to these uh, zero proof things. Um, and then ChatGPT also suggests that there's a placebo effect. That drinking something that tastes like alcohol can be psychologically satisfying and create a feeling of intoxication. I don't uh, think that's a bunch of bullshit. Well, but. that's always, you know, the story where you're in uh, high school or junior high school and somebody tells you that you've got, yeah, you know, right. weed or something. Right. And then the kid or you tell them it's, you know, wine or some alcoholic drink. And the child becomes inebriated. Yes, they get all And then loopy. you go, joke's on you. That was grape juice. Or right. That wasn't... So, but maybe they did feel really drunk. I mean, how many kids have gotten high smoking oregano, I yeah. wonder, without ever knowing? All of know. them. Now, of course, there's arguments against using this stuff in recovery. I mean, you know, I, I make those arguments. Uh, I'm not a non-alcoholic drink guy. So the, the triggering of cravings? Yeah. You know, uh, my opposition to it is sort of like, you know, it, it gets, it would get you back into that habit of looking for that kind of flavor. It's like part of my recovery was I'm completely separating myself um, and my desire to, you know, drink a beverage that even looks like it. So hmm. I've been avoiding it. So I'm fucking triggering you big time by pouring you a glass of this stuff in, in the studio. You know, I, I I thought it might trigger me, but I, I don't know. Maybe I've uh, evolved past the point of caring and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, just like, is that good in recovery when you evolve past the point of caring? No, it's it's actually <laughs> known as, you know, the uh, pride cometh before the fall type of thing. But, uh, yes. um, I'm feeling good, and um, I'm thinking to myself, maybe I've been, you know, too conservative with my uh, opinions on non-alcoholic wine, because so many monsters out there enjoy a non-alcoholic beer. I know you do, and it hasn't sent you off the rails and uh, many people enjoy it. So what's wrong with Although, me? Over Thanksgiving, I had uh, this stuff called hop water. Have you heard of this mm -mm. stuff? It's um, it's a zero-calorie, zero-alcohol beverage that is basically hops mm. in sparkling water. So it tastes like a very weak IPA. And so Thanksgiving, I drink one of these, and then a week later, I'm ordering... Um, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc Zero. So what's wine. next? So what? Yeah, what right. is next? Do I go for the point fives next? Because a lot of these non-alcoholic things are like well, point that's, five. That's the problem. It's a slippery slope. You're lowering your guards down. Yes. And dipping your toe. Is this like a, mar a slow march to the sea? Like, am well, I going to drown soon? If it is, it'll be the most compelling podcast series <laughs> in a long time. <laughs> it's quite a story arc. You can follow us as the weeks go, and uh, we begin to deteriorate. Yeah. I mean, if you're new in recovery, the, the you know it, it's it's good for the reasons we mentioned, but also it could give you a false sense of security, right? Yes. Like you can, you know, maybe if you can handle this, you can handle a real glass of wine, right? You know, right? Yeah, it could do that. So anyway, I t I open the bottle, I take a sip, let me smell it. I give it to. It smells like wine, doesn't it? Mmm, it smells like grape juice. Really? Yeah, a little whiny, a little like apple juicy. Well, I gave it to Erin to taste, who mm. is a a. A consumer of Sauvignon Blanc products. She's a real drinker. Yeah, she's not a, like us. We're <laughs> right, pretenders. Right. That's right. Uh, and her verdict was um, 
Like it smells like it. And when you take a sip, it's almost like it. But in almost. the end, it just tastes terrible. Huh. You know? All right. Well, I haven't had a sip of wine oh, shit. almost in over five years. Do you want to? Maybe you shouldn't do this. Well, it's not alcoholic though, right? It's so, not. It's 0%. In theory, this should be no problem whatsoever. What do you think, Monsters? Are there people out there shaking their fist at the, at don't the do radio it, set? Don't do it, Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Well, guys, I am confident enough in my recovery. I'm not going to have to pick you up at 7-Eleven later. I guess we'll I? find out. But if you do, I want you to record it. Okay. Because we need I'll bring, the, I'll bring the portable recorder. All right. So, so anyway, uh, cheers. Here's looking up your old address. L'chaim. L'chaim. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Did I maybe I just brushed my teeth. <laughs> um What's hmm. the verdict? The verdict Were is Were you like a, a fan of grassy Sauvignon Blancs before? Because uh, if you weren't, this is gonna taste terrible. No, I liked all kinds of wine. Um the only one I didn't like was rose. Or very or like Manischewitz, the right. Jewish Oh, I used to love that stuff when I was like twelve. It's sweet, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there it is. My first non alcoholic sip of wine. Unbeknownst to Nat, Mike secretly replaced the non-alcoholic wine. <laughs> well, we forgot to cheers. No, we did. We did? Yeah. God, I'm out of it. Um, you sure you didn't drink before you got here? No, it's sort of like a nice cold juice with a little... Um, it's got a little bite to it, though, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, so for all of you out there wondering, it tastes like a cold, to me, like an apple or grape juice with a little bite. With yeah. A little bit of... A little astringency to it. And I guess that's how you're tricking yeah. yourself. And um, no, it's not terrible. Here's the thing. What? I wouldn't buy another bottle of this. Probably not. This has been sitting in my fridge for a week. Well, I'm glad we could. Uh, and uh, honestly, like, I'd rather just have a glass of water. Yeah. You know, this mm. doesn't do anything for me. It's like, what's the point? You know, it's you weird know? because when you drink a juice, there's like a refreshing feeling that happens. Mm -hmm. So this has taken a juice and removed that refreshing feeling. <laughs> And replaced right. it with a bitter bite. Yeah. So yeah. if you're looking for juice that bites back. Yeah. Um, and with shipping and everything, it was over 20 bucks for that. All right. So well, you've done it. You don't have to drink it all. Uh, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. No, but if I were just um, quitting drinking. Uh, yeah, it might. Maybe that could have helped me. In the niche. Maybe if my AA sponsor at the time wasn't like shaking his finger going like, that's just as bad as the real stuff. You drink that, you might as well start your day count over. Non-alcoholic beer is for non-alcoholics. Right. That's what they say, right? They don't mention the wine, though. That's right. The funny thing is, like, in the back, like I have a taste in my mouth now. That's whiny. That's like a whiny taste. If you got pulled over, you know, for speeding or something, would they smell your breath and want to test you? I don't know. I, I could be sitting with this in my in my lap, drinking out of the bottle, though. Good. Perfectly good, legal, good, good. you know? Mm. Lips that touch wine will never touch mine. All right, so mark it on the calendar. Uh, Nat and Mike drink non-alcoholic wine. I'm thirsty, so I'm going to finish this. See, look, I'm finishing it. Uh huh. I, I don't even like the way it tastes. Fuck. <laughs> Do you finish it? The problem. Uh, my dad used to always tell this story. He always had these <sighs> stories, and one of his stories is he was overseas somewhere for something, and he <laughs> he got a he has a menu, and he wanted to try whatever the local wine was, uh, and so he's looking at the menu. And the waiter comes in. What you know? What would you like to drink? And he says, uh, "Yeah, I'd like the uh, the Finnish wine." It says, "Here's the. I would like to try. I didn't know there was Finnish wine. Mm. I'd like to try the Finnish wine." And the guy would say to him, "No, no, no, no. Uh, the wine is Finnish." And he says, "Yes, I know. <laughs> I want to try the Finnish wine. I'd like. To, uh, maybe he was in Finland because 
or something. Oh, yeah. And, and the guys keep saying, no, 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 you don't understand. It's Finnish. And uh, my dad getting belligerent. I, damn it, I want to try that wine. I can handle it. I want to taste the local spirits. And then he goes, the guy says something like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's no more. It is finished. <laughs> That's one of my father's favorite jokes. That's a good one. I don't think That's I gave good. it justice, but I always liked that one. Thank you, Dad. That's for your dad. Um, so really, this show is all about grifting, right? Because we're yes. going to talk about the the cult, right? We're going to talk about the 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 love has won the cult of Mother God. Yes. But we're also going to talk about George Santos for a minute, if you don't mind. Yeah, let's do that. So, George Santos. Who is George Santos? So those of you who've been, who follow the news and follow politics may know that George Santos, the congressional representative from Long Island's 3rd District, which is our district here in the hamlet of Oyster Bay, uh, was expelled from Congress last week for <sighs> various crimes. and guy was such an embarrassment. You know, Ugh. He uh, made up his entire history, and he was just stealing money. Every all the money that was donated to him, he was using for Botox and OnlyFans. Yeah, um, you know, and and just to basically pay his rent because he was not actually a successful guy. He was just a grifter. Yeah, and so they threw him out of Congress. First guy that's been thrown out of Congress in the history of the Republic who was not either a Confederate or convicted of a felony. Wow. Now he's facing a number of felony charges, so he may yet be convicted, but. He still says he's proud of his work, though, somehow. I'm not proud sure. of the work I've done. Not sure what he did. Voted with Kevin McCarthy on yeah. just about everything. Um, the uh, Okay, so immediately he gets thrown out of Congress, and what does he do the next day? He uh, he appears on Cameo. Oh. <laughs> and you know, you know what Cameo is? It's this platform where you pay, can pay money, and then a, a B or D-list celebrity will make a video for you. Like a message or you yes. ask him to say something. Give, yeah. I got one for my son, Jack, from Dean Norris from Breaking Bad. He played Hank on Breaking Bad. Okay. So, you know, so I immediately think, well, this would be fucking gold for RMA. So I send Santos a message like, I want you to do a video. I run, uh, me and my, my partner, Nat, co-host a podcast to help people recover from drug and alcohol addiction. We like to find comedy uh, in and the midst comedy. of tragedy, you know, <laughs> which I figured may resonate with this guy. If he's got, if he's self-aware, he knows like how to, how to fucking you said, parlay <laughs> this shit into like money, right? He takes it seriously though. So if we're, well, I guess he does, but, um, so I'm, I'm all excited and, and I wanted him to finish it. I wanted him to wish us a Merry Christmas and a happy Hanukkah because remember he claimed he was Jewish, right? <laughs> and then I, I wanted him to close Santos. by saying, I'm George Santos and I approve of this message to RMA, right? Yeah. I'm like, this is gold. Uh, 150 bucks came out of my own pocket. You paid it? I paid it. Oh, fuck. And uh, um, I get a message this morning that my request has been rejected. Um, so you still pay for that? I get the money back. Um, I, I really had to balance the, uh, the negative of giving George Santos more money than, I, than he's already received from his constituents uh, versus the entertainment value for RMA. And I, I came down on the side of RMA. Yeah. But um, so check this out. Santos rejected the request because he said, um, if, you're, if you're going to use it, Wait, hold on. Let me get what it actually said. Your cameo request has been declined. Since George Santos could not complete your request, the hold on your card has been released. Okay, right. Why did this happen? 
George Santos would love to do your request, but since it includes business-related material, it needs to be rebooked at their business price. So any care to hazard a guess what George Santos's business price is? What, like five grand? Yeah, $2,500. Uh. Now, that is a little much for our May So he's looking budget. for an honorarium or something to come and be, you know, and, and work with us. I mean, for that amount of money, I'd want him to, like, come down here and talk to us. And even then, I'm not that interested. But uh, I thought that was, like, true to, true to Santos' form uh, because he knew we were a drug and alcohol recovery podcast and decided that we needed to be charged $2,500 anyway. Um, and then to continue the grift, uh, the very next minute I get an email saying from Cameo again saying, um, price drop, fan appreciation time. I just dropped my price to $350 for personalized videos. But remember, he was charging 152 days ago. Yeah. But now he's dropping it from 400 to 350. Wait, wait. The grift continues. Wow. The massive grift continues. This guy. And apparently he's made videos for people already. So, you know. Oh, God. Good old George Santos. Yeah. Our uh, local congressman. Happy holidays are for liberals. And uh, little (laughs) birdie tells me you're no liberal. Okay. Thank you, George. (laughs) Sorry, man. He's going to jail, huh? Yeah, he's going to jail. Anyway. George Santos, ladies and gentlemen. I'm sorry, guys. You're not going to get much of George Santos uh, beyond that. (laughs) I tried. I tried. You did. You did. Um, So we haven't talked to anybody since Thanksgiving. No, we haven't. And how was your Thanksgiving? I know that you do a large party. And you're the one cooking, and you're, like, got an apron on, and yeah. you're serving people, and, you know, like, how many people did you have? I, I, I perform service. That's what I do. Um, we had, it wasn't that many people. It was, like, I don't know. I think I dropped the picture on the Facebook group. Maybe it was, like, 12, 13 people. Hey, is there a tissue down here? My nose is running, and I keep... Why don't you go catch it? Let, I need to blow my nose. Tell them about your Thanksgiving. I mean, it's driving me nuts. If you, if you go blow your nose, you have to do it upstairs in the bathroom. Yes. All right. I have so it. I just keep... Talking? Yeah, keep, keep. So, yeah, I had a bunch of people over. My father-in-law came, which was great because he uh, recently had cancer surgery and successful, but he's unfortunately experiencing a whole bunch of other health problems as well. Um, and he's back in the hospital, and then he's coming out of the hospital. So it was great to see him. Uh, I hung out and talked to him for Oh, there's the dogs. Uh, don't have any... Don't have any real drinkers in the family, so like alcohol wasn't so much of an issue. I think I bought like three bottles of wine. I went to see my guy uh, Mitch from the liquor store up in uh, the corner of town there, and oh, yeah, uh, yeah, we talked about music and <laughs> the stuff. non-alcoholic uh, wine buyer. Yeah, well, he actually uh, he had to quit because he had some heart problems, so he he hasn't had a drink in like a year. Wow, um, but he nice guy. Anyway. Um, the only person that drinks beer was my uh, my brother-in-law, uh, my new brother-in-law. And uh, I asked my sister-in-law what kind of beer he wanted, and she was like, any kind of beer except Bud Light. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. It's it's the conservative thing. Like They don't like because oh. of the trans person who was Wait, I don't know sponsored about by Bud Light, and then Kid Rock took Bud Light and then shot it up with his AR-15. What? You remember this? No. No, you missed this whole thing. It was last summer. Oh, I guess totally Bud Light was it. sponsoring a trans uh, influencer, okay. I guess you would call that. Um, I don't know what they're influencing. Huh. Uh, but anyway, the uh, and... 
So the con- conservative media kind of grabbed hold of this oh, and yes, was like, yes. fuck Bud Light. No Bud Light ever again. Right, and then Kid Rock bought a bunch of Bud Light cases, put it up on a wall and shot it with an AR-15. So he gave them a lot of money, basically, and then shot the product. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly Genius. what people were saying on the internet. Genius. Um Okay. So anyway, my so brother, no in, my brother-in-law, no Bud Light. So I had to, I had to go and buy him a six-pack of Miller Light, which that one's okay. They don't support trans no, I guess influencers. Not. I guess, okay. Aren't they all owned by the InBev? Oh, the fuck? No, I mean, I can People with this stuff, it's ridiculous. I don't know. I, I boycotting products just seems uh, silly to me. Yes, it does. Whatever. Mm. Uh, so that was good. How was your Thanksgiving? My Thanksgiving was very nice. We. Uh, I didn't actually have my parents with me. They, my brother has, his in-laws are voluminous. There's just tons of, you know, and they were all in town at once. So my brother and my parents were at uh, my brother's house with all of his in-laws. And then I was at my wife's uh, cousin's place. So we always go to Your my wife's wife. cousin. Okay. Yeah. And uh, that's the place that's like just down the street from where Rex Hoyerman the uh, Gilgo Beach oh, murderer lives. Long Island serial killer. Yeah, so I was near like maybe four or five houses down from where Really? That, yes, that close. Wow. In Massapequa Park. And so that's where I was. Uh, but did, it, was, did, it was nice. Does, did your wife's cousin know the Hewermans? That, they didn't really know them. And that was kind of the sense I got from her. Like, you know, is this a family that, you know, was well known in town? And it was one of those things. I think the kids were older mm-hmm. and they've got younger children. And everybody in the neighborhood you know, was talking about that house because it's like nice houses, you know, basically well-kept uh, lawns and things in that neighborhood. Right. You know, it's mostly like cops, firemen. It's a very blue-collar area. and uh, But his house, in amongst the rest, just stood out. It was just like dilapidated, like mm. board on the windows, just not taking care of whatsoever. Find the occasional body part in the front yard. Yeah, so it was one of those things where the neighborhood's like, oh, what's up with those guys? And, mm. you know, they were just kind of strange, but nobody thought like, hey, that guy is, uh, hmm. you know, a murderer, a serial killer even. Um, wow. But my kids must have, uh, you know, we would go trick-or-treating in that neighborhood Ooh. Uh, several years when they were young. I'm sure that... Yeah. They either knocked on the door or kept walking because it was always kind of creepy. But Wow. So that's where I was, and it was very <laughs> nice. It was a small Thanksgiving. I like small Thanksgivings. And, um, you know, same old, same old, just nice feelings. The kids keep getting older. You know, that's the time of the year when you see cousins and kids that they mm-hmm. just keep growing. And it's it's so amazing just to, to watch this next generation. I mean, uh, my kids are doing all these crazy things. Like uh, Noah was just in a play. Oh yeah, Max was in a play. Noah, his the band played at Madison Square Garden yeah. at the halftime show, and like he's get he's thirteen, and he had like a cast party, you know, for the kids in the play, and it's mostly fourteen year old girls. So I'm like, all right, yeah, Noah, man. way to go, man, <laughs> way to go, kid. Uh, and just like life is is spinning so fast, uh, and it made me think. I was watching these uh, Christmas movies. And it's sort of like when the Christmas time comes around, the holidays, and everybody comes back to base, basically, and you mm-hmm. sort of take stock of what's going on in your life. And it made me think that if, if I look back on, like, what was going on, like, it, it marks a point in time that I can sort of remember. So you go back, I was looking at pictures of old Christmases, and you can sort of see, you know, from the pictures and, like, where you were at, 
each Christmas, yeah. like kind of what was the zeitgeist of the time? Like, mm. and it's a really interesting um, experience to kind of delve back into those feelings of like, oh, I remember you know, 2013, man, that was a bad one. Mm-hmm. Or 2012, that's the year like, you know, I was so drunk. I was like, you know, locked the door of my bathroom. I was like on the floor while I had 20 people in my house and I'm supposed to be a host. Mm. And all of that shit comes back. And it's just like, it's a good time to take stock um, of how far you've come, maybe how far you've fallen, um, but, uh, you know, where you're at and uh, what you still need to do. And so I like to use this time to maybe reset a little bit and, uh, you know, closing out the year and trying to say, okay, what's my goals for next year? So it's, it's a joyful, like, looking forward time for me. So in looking back, do you... Uh, do you- succumb to the the holiday depression and the uh oh if only uh, the if onlys that ever pop pop around because i look at some of those photos yeah. and i remember like yeah. oh i was so hung over there yep. or i wasn't really present for that no. or you know mentally i'd kind of checked out over here and sometimes it really it really gets to me yeah. i mean i try not to have regrets and i try to, to be forward-facing most of the time but you know this time of year it's just dark all the time and yeah. depressing and you get the seasonal affective disorder you know sad you get sad you get sad right and um you know sometimes it's hard to focus on the future and you know i watched you know, you talk about Christmas movies. I watched Charlie Brown Christmas the other day, yeah. <laughs> which is my That's your- go-to every year, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my, Ben is really into that one too because he's a little existentialist as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, it opens with Charlie Brown. I, mean, I hate this time of year, you know. Everybody's happy, but I don't feel happy, mm-hmm. you know. And I guess different years I have, I have a different relationship to the holidays. This year I'm kind of fine. It seems like it snuck up on me this year, so yeah. I'm not really wallowing in lamentations i'm just sort of worried about what to get my wife for christmas because she won't tell me what she wants yeah honey hint yeah i I just get texts with like pictures and links to things directly i beg for that can i send you my wife direct links (laughs) um this year i I know exactly what you mean um and i think (laughs) sorry it's the wine glass uh, i'm getting sloshed here i think when we have so many things going on and and right now like our schedules seem to be overloaded more than i think they've ever been i don't find that i have a lot of time to and maybe that's the the ticket maybe that's part of why i've been able to stay sober this past several years is i don't have time to think about it and that I don't know if that's a good thing or not because yeah, this can't either. keep up. You know, right. what happens when the kids, you know, I have an empty nest and, you know, business is, you know, good and being taken care of by other people or something. Mm-hmm. And now it's just me and it's just my wife and, you know, the cat. And <laughs> the you know, cat. <laughs> where will I be? You know, am I preparing myself to, to weather that kind of storm? Mm. Um, so, yeah, uh, but the good news is I don't have a lot of time to sit around and, you know, regretting and, and wishing I did more because mm-hmm. I don't, I, my brain is far for a ride. Yeah. I, uh, you know, sometimes the balance between being hyper busy, which, you know, we are this time of year and having time for reflection, like hitting that, hitting that bottle again, huh? I'm thirsty and it's just, it's literally like sour apple juice. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, you know, there, there is a, you need a little bit of a balance. Like I, I got away from meditation for like the last month or so Mm-mm. and it really started fucking with my head. So I'm kind of dipping back into that um, just to 
be able to to have that yeah. grounding because it's really the only time of the day that I have that grounding. Like, yeah. you know, doing this podcast today, like, you know, you know, yesterday I had a thing at work, so I couldn't do it yesterday. And you have a thing later today. So like, this is literally the only time in the week yeah. that we could fucking fit it in. Yeah. I know? got something at 10 45, 30 minutes away that I'm yeah. like, ah, I, know. I think I'm just going to be late. Yeah. I'm like, I got to make time for this. This is important. It's important to us to, to do this show, it's important to communicate with you guys and, and each other. And, and this is kind of what we're, <laughs> I'm leaning on. Yeah. I mean, I, this time of year, I was feeling like if we didn't do the, this podcast, like that wouldn't be good for me mentally. Yeah. Like it would be, like I needed to sit down with you. And, this and is the outlet. Face. Yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> because, you know, it, it's important. You, you really do run the risk of being so busy that you put like your own mental health on the back burner mm -hmm. and that is bad. That's, That's a bad. bad fucking thing. You know, you end up like Shane McGowan, Shane McGowan, who we lost. Yes. The Pogues. Yes. The band, the Pogues, not familiar. I don't know who that is, but I, wow. I didn't even know he was sick. Well, he, <laughs> he, I think he basically died of alcoholism. Oh, cause he was a, uh, cirrhosis or something. Uh, yeah, he was knighted cirrhosis of the liver. Cirrhosis. <laughs> he, um, I don't know that. So, okay, so the Pogues were an Irish uh, music band that sort of melded traditional Irish music with elements of punk. They were very oh. big in the 80s. Their, their, their big album was Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash, oh. which was... Um, Sounds lovely. Well, that was a holiday album. Winston Churchill's uh, <laughs> quote on what held the British Navy together. It was rum, sodomy, and the lash. Oh, okay. right. So they, they named their, uh, awesome. their, their record after that. I love Winston Churchill quotes. Um, so, you know, I was really into them in the 80s because they were like a hard drinking, hard partying, fun, you know, band. And, um, you know, they used to, when they came to New York, they used to hang out at this bar, Rocky Sullivan's down on Lexington Avenue. And um, did I ever see them? I don't think I ever saw the Pogues live, but uh, hung out in places they hung out in, in New York. They have that, they, their famous song is that uh, New York Christmas Story takes place in the drunk tank. Do you know that one? The, uh, the new one with the guy from uh, Escape from New York. What? Snake Plinskin? Yeah. I thought he was dead. Mm. What, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, it's, there was a Christmas movie called, oh, The Christmas Chronicles. The guy goes to jail and it's Santa Claus and... His kid is, we're on different planets right now, I think. Um, I don't know that one. So there, wait, there's a Christmas movie that takes place in jail? It's not a, it's not a movie. It's the, the song is called oh. Fairy Tale of New York. You've never heard this song? I don't think so. Maybe I have. No. Never. Did it, well, I've never heard. Never heard that. that song. It's actually curious, a very though. good song. You yeah, got to check it out. But um, so, wow. so <laughs> the Pogues were sort of like the where Shane McGowan sort of was the glorification of of functional alcohol, mm. barely functional alcoholism. And by all accounts, he was a great a great guy, uh, um, super professional when he worked and everything, but uh, a bit of a mess. In the last ten years, he's been he was confined to a wheelchair and he wasn't really getting around so good. Huh. He's yeah. like the alcoholic version of William Burroughs. Yeah, I guess you yeah. could say that. Um, Glorifying, you know, but, living in his 60s or something and on heroin. And, well, Burroughs made it to his 80s. Did he make it to, yeah. yeah. So he's like a legend in the junkie community. <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Shane sort of transcended alcohol yeah. in my mind. He was more of a, 
a roguish Irish poet than he was just a stumbled down, down drunk, although he certainly was that as well. So mm. rest in peace, Shane McGowan. Yeah, I feel like there's a piece of, uh, piece of him and me, you know, like that could be me and right. remembering that it's sort of like... But you always look at those guys and you wonder how good they could be without it. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's the tragic story of Jerry Garcia, man. If he had never gotten into the heroin. Who knows? You know. Look, I mean, look at the Stones. Uh, that's a bad example because aren't they still <laughs> I mean, They're doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> like why? It is because they were just injecting alcohol. Uh, well, <laughs> Keith was injecting everything, but he, he's quit. Everything except the occasional pint, he says. But he's fucking eighty. Like, it's how like, much can you do when you're eighty? And their their new record, I I had to listen to it. It's good. Um, it's not bad. I yeah. was like, okay, it, yeah, it's not bad at all. I mean, it's. Uh, I tried to uh, do the presale for from AARP to get Stones tickets and um, tickets. Where are they playing? They're playing the Meadowlands next year, uh, next summer, assuming they're all still alive. The actuarial tables are against it, but you never know. <laughs> um, actuarial tables. So. And I, I finally managed to get in, and I pick a seat up in the bleeds, the nosebleeds, mm. and it's $460. Ugh. And that's the Ticketmaster price. Yeah. It's not even a resale. No, so tickets to everything. two of those plus fees was almost like $1,500. Nice. I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I, yeah. see, I saw the Stones in 2006. I don't need to do it yeah. for that price. But Prices these days. Kids these days. When I saw him in 06, I was like, this is definitely the last time the Stones are going to be touring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Never watch, count those guys out, man. Yeah, it's like, the Crypt Keeper is on yeah. tour. Um, hey, uh, Should we talk about the... the we thing? should. you got to go, right? I'm okay. sorry to rush everyone, but um, yeah, let's talk. We found this great documentary. Um, we were talking last week, and we said, what are we going to talk about? And uh, my wife actually pointed this out to me. She goes, oh, did you hear about this? HBO documentary everyone is talking about. And I said, no, what is it? So we watched it, and it's called... Uh, Love Has Won, The Cult of Mother God. And uh, it's available on Max if streaming, and I think also HBO, if you have one of those old cable boxes. Yeah, uh, it came out recently. Um, it's really fucking interesting. Yeah, you, you recommended it to me, and I, I didn't you're think like, you prepare to be it. entertained, yes. and it's three episodes, and I sat... Through all three of them in a row, and Aaron and I just sat there with our jaws yeah. on the ground. It's the, cr I don't know. Yeah, so, so yeah, it's so crazy. It's it's a documentary, and it kind of it explores the story of this spiritual group. Some would call a cult mm. called. Uh, actually, most people would call it a it's cult. Pretty culty. Called uh, Love Has Won. Uh, its leader, Amy Carlson, was referred to as a mother god by her followers. Yeah, mother god. And um, so she was a former. Um, Manager, franchise manager at a McDonald's who... Which is a, a respectable job. I mean, she was a manager. She was young. She was a go-getter. McDonald's. Yeah. Um, attractive young woman also. And I, I think that may have had something to do with how yeah. she was able to attract so many you know, followers. That's it. Um, she was pretty. But she had a, a, a crazy... Um, she had kids. When, she had three kids you know. and she uh, abandoned the kids now, to, to by go all start accounts, a cult. By all accounts, she was living a quote-unquote normal life and a normal families, from what I can tell, you know, what's normal, right? You well, might say, but it appeared to be relatively average, you know, in every sense. I guess. I mean, she was... You know, you, the documentary like had a lot about her backstory and, you know, how she she was working at McDonald's. She worked her way up, uh, had problems in relationships. She always attracted the wrong kind of guys, like abusive sociopathic types that yeah. would like, you know, and so she, she had three kids with three of these different guys. And, um, 
you know, no judgment. I mean, shit happens, right? Yeah. But um, I think she became, and then she would leave the kids with the parents, and then she would just go out to the clubs and everything and, and party and stuff. And uh, and eventually it became too overwhelming, and she just disappeared one day. She left yeah. the family, it left the kids. It started to happen slowly, though. I mean, it didn't, like, she started out, Sort of like she was a good mom. She was a good uh, sister or daughter. She was working, you know, and then it started to happen slowly. And what I noticed was uh, she started to smoke pot. Yeah. And it, and, uh, right. and it appears like, you know, uh, if you have uh, mental health disorders, diagnosed or otherwise, THC will exacerbate these mm-hmm. symptoms. And it, it's like being boiled in a pot, like a frog boiling in a pot. You just, you start to smoke it and then she, before you know it, she's in la-la land and she begins to make these bizarre decisions that, uh, you know, are weird. And then that she ends up uh, running away. She runs away and she ends up um, with some guy that she met on the internet, this older guy who was... He looked like a a hippie grandpa. Right. He was the original father god. Ah, wait. So another important point is... On top of the, the THC, she began to delve into like internet stuff. So yeah. she's starting to trip out on THC and at the same time, internet sleuthing about like cults. Um, not she, she wasn't looking up cults, but she was seeking spiritual enlightenment. That right. was it. So it was all this new age shit yeah. she was getting into. And crystals. Not and like normal new age, like Buddhism. Beyond or Hindu. crystals. This is like, yeah, yeah crystals and UFOs yeah. and, you know. Uh, and spe- like just... Right. So, and I entertain some of that stuff mostly for entertainment purposes, but she's just like really. She gets really into it. Um, so she she sort of cuts her teeth with this this older guy. They have the spiritual ceremony. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. They become like married, and she's like thirty at the time, and he's like sixty five oh, or something. It drives me nuts. He's like Willie Nelson on crack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up being with a, no, one of the yeah. nicer guys. He was one of the nicer guys. <laughs> so after that, she co- sort of learns under him how to become like uh, a cult leader, I guess. Yeah. And they develop starts, this philosophy, this yeah. religion. It starts to percolate right. in her mind. She's the the god. She turns. She starts to believe that she's the mother god, and it's like so, so. She's been reincarnated several hundred times. She says, like she was like Marilyn Monroe, Joan of Arc, all these other historical figures, yeah. and. Uh, she believed that um, in a past life, she lived underneath Mount Shasta in California, and Donald Trump was her father. Yep. Um, like- yeah, she had this bizarre uh, <laughs> theology story that they make up where all of these dead celebrities are like ascended masters, and she had this collage of yes. like Robin Williams. Robin who, Williams was the, the big guy. Michael Jackson. But yeah, Robin Williams was the top of the pyramid, basically, of these uh, ascended Masters, spirits who are... She called them galactics. Galactics, yes. 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 And, and Robin Williams was one of mom's... They called her mom. Right, right. Everyone called her members. mom. Mom's main ambassadors and the primary galactic in her etheric team. Um, <laughs> she signed over the divine plan for him to make change, explains one of Carlson's main oracles, Archia Hope, whose real name is Ashley Peluso. Like, he's a very big part of this, and humanity is going to see that. I have seen Mother... Robin Williams come through Mother God because she's on alcohol, says still lawyer follower L. Moriah. And I felt that she utilized it as a tool to let certain things through because we needed to hear it, such as the fact that Mother God's joy was taken away by Ryan because he made her the world's worst quesadilla. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so bizarre, man. And the, the, she gets these people to follow her 
and the bu- yes. and they believe her. She's Mother God, and she takes on this role, um, supported by these other fucking like spaced out hippies that are like on the run from their lives. It's so fucking bizarre. Well. The, the weirdest thing is, like, you and I can't even get, like, 50 fucking followers on Patreon. I know. But there's, like, hundreds of people hundreds. sending this woman hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. So they 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 buy a place in Crestone, Colorado, which We're is, We're just like, jealous. I just want to make that know, clear. We're just true. jealous. Like, why, why don't we start a cult? Let's just... We'll both be Father God. Yeah, we're Father God. Father God. Send us money. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll do soul cleansing yeah. from afar. You don't, you won't even know what's happening. Yeah. I'm sending love light and you, you won't feel a fucking thing. Space vibes, man. Um, <laughs> so, but part of her shtick, so they get this place in Crestone, Colorado and certain and followers start to come. Right. And I'm still not quite sure. Cause I mean, I'm everything this guy, these guys did was on YouTube. They were fucking live stream, Dynamos. They live streamed everything they did in the cult. So, yeah, yeah. which is why there was so much footage for the documentary, right? Mm-hmm. And, but their main thing was they would just, they would wake up in the morning and wake and bake, smoke pot all day, and then drink all night. Yeah. So, they didn't really put enough emphasis, if you ask me, on the role of alcohol and, and weed in this cult because every night Amy would, like, the, they said, the, some of the people were interviewed. I was listening to a different podcast this morning that had some other details on this. Oh, really? Every night she would pour herself like four, five or six tumblers full of vodka, yeah. drink them, and then just become an abusive asshole. Yeah, but <laughs> they explained it in a way by saying she takes this medicine being yes. all this vodka, all of this pot, and then she would her personality would change. Imagine yeah, no that. shit. <laughs> but instead of them going... She's taking, you know, she's intoxicated. She's taking drugs, right. alcohol, and, and and that's why she. Um, and they would say, no, she's channeling the galactic. So when she would become abusive and yelly and stuff, they'd say, no, that's Robin Williams coming through, or it was right. one of the other galactics. Right, right. So they were all completely delusional. But they they were so, so bananas. Like they'd go outside and they'd look at cloud formations and be like, we saw so many spaceships today. Yeah. There's one over there. There's a space high spaceship. And the galactics are going to come and 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 we're all going to ascend. Yes, that was the big thing. It was it was very much like uh, what was the Hellbop people? Yeah, you know? yeah, with the comet, Haley's yeah. comet, was right? It? The uh-huh. the aliens were going to come in the back of the comet and they, take everybody out, right? Yeah, up up into. But in, how do we know they didn't? You know, they all killed themselves and they were supposed to ascend to the ship. But what if they did? Uh, who knows, right? Uh, I mean, and we know she wasn't Mother God because, um, you know, uh, a lot of the, as many of them do, a lot of her predictions and her prophecies just um, simply didn't materialize. They didn't materialize, no. Um, but the, the group was sort of carrying on almost as like it's just a normal cult of New Age weirdos until the the last Father God showed up. So Amy had a succession uh, of these Father God partners, right? Yes. And the first three of them that they interviewed were these like... She's like a reverse of, Mormon. Yeah, exactly. But it was the, amazing. The first three guys were like these... One of them was like a, a internet marketing guru. Yes. Who like set Finance up this guy. whole... Yeah. Well, that was Michael, right? Yeah. Uh, he, they, the Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael. Yes. That's a but go-to for the, these types. The two other Father Gods, like one of them was a, a computer guy who set up all the websites and everything... And then she kind of jettisoned him when yeah. it was done with him. And then this other hippie came in. But they stuck around in. with him, with they her. They did. They so did. when she demotes these other father gods who she's presumably sleeping with, she gets them, you know, into a position where they're like doing something for her 
right. her ministry. Right. Then she's like, oh, I've gotten a message from the Galactics. <laughs> and then some other weirdo would show up from the internet and be sexier than the last guy. And she'd be like, I have been told that this is the new Father God. Right. And it's just another guy with his shirt off. But what's amazing <laughs> is the previous Father God is so fucked up and brainwashed that they're like, yes, Mother. Yes, you're right. If, if you say it, the Galactics are, are, are making it so, and they would just acquiesce and then move to their next position. Right. And, and uh, in a more subservient role to the new Father God. Well, the final Father God, uh, his name is Jason Castillo. They come up with a real so, lunatic. Yes. Now, this guy, in, in the documentary, the first scene where they're interviewing him, you see him adjusting his ankle bracelet. Yes. And calling, like, scram bracelet. calling the police department and being like, telling them that where he is yep. so they know where he is. And then you, you watch him like sensuously eat the slice of pizza. So fucking yeah, weird. The, and the guy is like, he's kind of a nut, but he, he sort of fits the mold of the kind of boyfriends she was having before she became a cult leader, right? Sort yeah, of like yeah. A, like abusive. Yeah, abusive, nar- narcissistic. Toxic masculinity. Yeah, totally. Which is how they put it. But, but this guy then starts doing all this meth. And he gets out of control, and and things are getting really crazy in the house. So Mother God packs up the followers and says, you know, we're going to go to wherever the yeah. fuck, somewhere else in Colorado. They find another place. And like, you can't come to Father God until you get your shit cleaned up. Yeah, because he was really not just doing meth, but he was, like, really abusing her. Yeah. And, like, and everybody else. And they would make ex- she would make excuses at first um, about him, but using her... Uh, her made-up religion to sort of explain it. She'd be like, he's taking in all the the suffering of the world and it's going through him and he's like taking this on and, and this has to happen in order. It was just fucking weird. So she's sort of... But finally, he crosses a line or two. I think yeah. he becomes really abusive and the meth is... And then, yeah, and then they cast him out, but not not quite casting him out they leave it open for him to well, they all move and they leave right. him there they're like you need to stay here and he's i guess so brainwashed too that he like is buying into he's like you're right you know yeah. okay leave me here and he just sort of goes along with it and then they vanish to someplace else they just travel and then three months later he shows up there he finds and he's them. like off the meth and then shortly after that one of the the female uh uh People, Angels, uh, followers, yeah, yeah, followers, uh, galactic, is uh, accidentally servants. burns their house down from because yeah. she was burning <laughs> Dude, sage. They find this beautiful yeah. place. They build it up. They they're growing food. You know, or it's it's amazing. And then one day, these uh, dumb hippies freaking like burn the house down. But it's funny the way that she admits how she burns the house down because they're all standing there watching the house burn. The whole thing burns down. Like the house is basically dust. And then they, they cut to that woman and she's just looking like, you know, staring. She goes, well, what happened was I was burning some sage and, (laughs) and apparently, um, the, the bushes just, and the house just went up in flames, you yeah. know, and she just looks totally out of it. And they're all in a boat yeah. sailing away across the lake <laughs> the while the fire department is putting out the house in the background. Ugh. So so this goes on like this for a while, right? This group is making money by selling colloidal silver. Yeah. And these various, like, hokey remedies and spiritual tarot card readings and all this stuff all through the internet. And this guy, Michael, is collecting all the money from this. Archangel Michael. Archangel Michael. And they have like $400,000 yeah. in the bank, right? And But then Amy starts to get sick. 
So because she's keep in mind, she's daily drinking like a handle of vodka, however much uh, pot she's smoking. And they are taking this snake oil stuff, uh, colloidal silver, which is up there with like monatomic gold. You hear about people like taking these. Right. And they're drinking it. So now she's drinking this. But she was drinking a lot of it. She drank colloidal silver like she drank vodka. Yeah. Yeah. And and they were like making it. They had a, a makeshift lab. Yeah. And they were making these tinctures, so she's completely poisoning herself on a daily basis. With both alcohol and colloidal silver, and she's anorexic because she doesn't believe that anybody should eat because it brings you closer to, to being assimilated or yeah. whatever you call it. Yeah, we're in a 3D world. So she's gradually getting sicker and sicker, but because she describes this as the 3D world, and the world where the galactics are is the five fifth dimension yeah. world. She doesn't go to a doctor or a hospital. And I guess one of the lessons here is be careful who you recruit to your cult <laughs> because they're not going to want to bring you to the hospital if you get sick. Yeah. And they, they were like, well, no, the, th- the 3D doctor wouldn't know what to make of mom. Yes. Like she would. And they would you know, say, I've never seen, she must be mother God because I've never seen someone drink this much. They actually <laughs> yeah. said that. Yes. They actually yes. go, well, it, it must, she must be um, divine because I've never seen someone live through drinking this much. You know, and, and it, all kidding aside, like this is undiagnosed mental health problems. You know, Big this time. is, this is trauma that she had from her abusive relationships and a, a childhood that I, I am guessing is less than ideal. So she found a way to continue the drinking by just, making this cult around her. And I, and yeah, she and created she, a whole like, cult to support her drug abuse. I mean, people have all kinds of rationalizations for continuing drinking when they long should have stopped. But I am God is a pretty good one. If, you, if you're an alcoholic and you can manage to convince a bunch of people around you that you're God and you need to drink all oh, it's a handle tools. of vodka every day to communicate with galactic beings to, to save the world. Yep. That is some pretty good fucking grifting. If you That's ask me, ama- it's better than, I don't think George Santos. No, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And it's, what's amazing is she got everybody around her to, to do the same thing. Yeah. They would have these blowout parties that went on for like three days. They would take mushrooms. They would do all this stuff. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're making money hand over fist selling bullshit remedies. And, and, the women who would do the streaming were young, yeah. attractive girls. Mm-hmm. Like one of them was like, I joined one of the day I graduated from law school. I'm like, law school? Yeah. <laughs> what I the know. fuck? I, I couldn't believe it. She's like, yeah, well, I graduated from law school. And then I headed to the uh, mother gods, you know, abode. So Amy is getting sicker and sicker and, and, fa- and to the point where she can't walk anymore. So yeah. Father God is carrying her around. So they finally, they decide it's getting a little hot in Colorado. So they pick up and they go to Hawaii. Because well, they're getting calls from like neighbors, yeah. you know, the, the parents of some of these kids yes. because are all, watching be, it. Because it's all on YouTube. Everything, so all the family know. can see this, this train wreck in real time. And, and they just don't know what to do. They're calling local cops and, and the police, they can only do so much. They they don't do anything. They're like they, they did a wellness check. They're like she's an adult, you yeah. know. She wants to be crazy. Yeah. And I guess they didn't find anything illegal. No. Or look. Uh, well, I mean, pot's legal in Colorado, right? Right. So, right. so what could you do? Pot and alcohol. So, uh, so they go to Hawaii. They go to they go to Kauai, and they yeah. set up shop there. And and instead of like lying around the beach, and sort of trying to recover her health, Amy decides that. They're going to do a press announcement that she is actually Pele, the goddess, the goddess of fire, and created the Hawaiian Islands. <laughs> this, as you can imagine, did not go over particularly well with the native folk in Hawaii no. who get the governor involved. And all of a sudden, um, 
they're surround their place with their where they're staying is surrounded by angry Hawaiians who are throwing stones and breaking the windows of their cars mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And um, finally, they basically get run out of Hawaii. The governor says, "Look, I can't protect you. You guys have to leave." So they give a police escort to the airport. And they come back to the United States. But at this point, Amy is just about on death's door. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and she's turning colors. She's like turning blue because she's taking all the silver. It's the silver and the liver failure. And and when it's very clear that she's having symptoms of like alcohol poisoning, you know, like total like toxic liver, like sepsis, maybe like she's definitely ill past the point of you can like rub a crystal on her yeah. <laughs> and instead of calling a doctor or bringing her uh, to a hospital, you know, they just continue this delusion. Well, her mother called a doctor. <sighs> it was Dr. Phil. It was. Yes. Oh, so they missed that one. They, they did a, uh, an intervention on Dr. Phil. Oh God. How did I miss that? Hey, so Amy comes on and starts talking about her shit and her mother's like, Amy, just come home. This yeah, is what ridiculous. What are you doing to yourself? And then apparently Amy was very upset by being like, uh, ambushed on Dr. Phil. <laughs> and so cut her mother off completely. And, uh, at this point she is so sick that, um, father God is bringing her to like different places on the road. And eventually, uh, she dies, gives up the ghost. As and it were. before that happens, there's something very sad that stuck with me. That um, there was when she was really toward the end of her life, mm-hmm. and she was probably having moments of clarity, like so many do before they they pass away. It's well documented. People who could be in a coma, there's like a moment before yeah. they go, and they become lucid. And um, I, there was a time where she becomes like, oh my god, I need my mom. And she sort of reaches out uh, to her and like, you need to come here. Or maybe I think one of the, one of the acolytes maybe called the mother, but the mother did not right. go. Yeah. And when, and that just broke my heart because I, I mean, I don't know what kind of person she is, but that has to kill her. Yeah. The fact that maybe she could, who knows if she could have done anything, Right. but to not even try like to go and just rip your child out of there. But she was like, she was so far gone and I was afraid. And she was afraid, and then so Amy dies. I got the sense that the mother was not really the most compassionate. You could you tell, know, like, because... There's some shit go- going on behind that that woman. Yeah, because you know? if that were my kid, you know, like... Uh, I mean, kid, she was 45. She was 45? When she died, Amy, yeah. So Still, not man. really a kid. I don't know. You know. Yeah, I guess. She was afraid she said that. And yeah, you're right, she might have been a sociopath. So <laughs> the uh, the cult is all like following the story of Amy as she's being driven around from place to place, like hoping that the galactics are going to come and take her in a spaceship and ascend. And sometimes they're getting a little concerned that she has not ascended yet or the galactics have not picked her up. But then when Amy dies, I guess they figure that she was ascended on the astral plane as opposed to the physical plane or something. Yeah. they. Um, so she essentially you know, becomes naturally mummified. Yeah. They, well, they take her body and they bring it at, they bring it camping. Yeah. For a, for a couple of weeks. They keep the body in a tent, in a tent. Yeah. And, uh, it's, uh, it's scary, you know? And when, so they have her like in sort of a shrine with, with her body there. Well, right. After the tent, they bring her back to Michael's house. Right. And that's when they get discovered. Well, Michael turned them in. 
Right. Right. Mm-hmm. He goes to the cops because his two-year-old was was in the house, and they they took the when Michael went out, they took the two, his two-year-old. This is something I picked up from news reports, though. And so he goes to the. Uh, he doesn't go to the sheriff in the town where they are. He goes 45 miles away because he says that the sheriffs are bad in the town that they were in. Yeah, clearly. And he tells uh, the cops that there's this cult leader's dead body, and so the cops come. Yeah, there's a dead... That's They have to go investigate. They, they, there is a dead body. They go in this room, and it's basically set up like a shrine yeah, with, her, with Amy's mummified body Ugh. in the bed. And Christmas lights twinkling everywhere and all this new age shit in there. And so they arrest like seven people yeah, for Father like abuse God, of a corpse. He's so out of it too. They, they show that when they go in and they're like, Where, where's Amy? Is she here? And he goes, uh, yes. Um, he goes, mother is at rest. Mother is at rest. <laughs> She's at rest. They're like, uh, okay. And then they go in and they're like, oh my God. Yeah. What do we have? So uh, Michael was really broken up. Uh, about the whole thing so much so that Archangel Michael took the 400 grand out of the bank and disappeared the next day and <laughs> hasn't been heard from since. Uh, so, yeah, so that sort of ended the saga. They ended up arresting seven people for desecration of a corpse and a couple other things, and then the DA dropped the charges, uh, and nobody got in trouble at all. Yeah, it's really creepy because they're interviewing all of those people who were there and they were part of it, and they seem to still be under the spell of this mm-hmm. crazy religion, to, you know, and, and thinking of her as God. And they, they're continuing the delusion. It's interesting. They, they sort of identify that, yeah, certain things were, were off and certain father gods were abusive and probably not really God right. here and there. But they're still, like, in that, you know, world it's really scary, and you know, and that's that's what these uh, you know per, you know habitual uh, use of like of psychedelic drugs, which I think THC is considered at that at those amounts, yeah. You know? um, and you can really um, fly off off the planet, and it's amazing. And then when you're supported by other people, but that that's a whole like study of cults. Yeah, I mean, and it happens. And my God, half of the the interview with with jason castillo the, the father god he was smoking on a blunt yeah you know or eating pizza or something but mostly smoking weed and uh so after she died and you know the charges got dropped uh jason castillo and one of the other father gods ended up moving in together and starting their own thing and the remnants the the young women that had been following uh, amy split off into their own thing called fifth dimension Fifth Dimension something or other. Yeah. And they're still continuing to sell these soul healings and all this other stuff out of yeah. out of one of their houses in Florida. So it's still going on. And there's hundreds of people that are still involved in this. Yeah, it's like for every high lunatic, there's 10 others who will follow them and purchase their snake oil. I mean, I have to wonder, you know, how much the alcohol and the drugs had to do with this. And if, and if, if there was no alcohol, if there was no THC, would Amy, would this woman have a left her family to start a cult? Three kids or B, like even had enough way to sway people into believing any of this. Right. On the one hand, it's Amy who is this manipulative addict basically um, with mental health problems. She using the, they're using the, the drugs together and drinking together creates this hive, uh, you know, this hive hallucination that they're all sharing. And it, I think it's all 
part of the drugs that they're doing and the drinking. And, you know, it, it's so dangerous. Um, but look, it's a, as they say, it's a free country. It's a capitalist country. And, you know, how much of what they did was it the only thing they could get them for was, you know, desecration of a body. Yeah, and even then... So they, you're free to do this the, stuff. The DA basically said there are some things that should not be solved in the criminal justice system, yeah. and, you know, this is one. They were also charged with not getting her the health care that she needed, sure. but they realized that uh, as an adult, you can make your own decisions. The uh, The autopsy revealed that what killed Amy was uh, not cancer. Everybody thought it was cancer, but it was actually alcohol use and abuse mm. and uh, colloidal silver. Yeah. And anorexia together. Yeah, and that's a... So there is somebody that, it, had she received the right mental health treatment, you know, maybe would have just been a regular old, you know, kooky, new age person and yeah. not, you know, you know, drew I, so many people into the orbit. I've noticed um, in, in situations like this, and, you know, not quite so extreme, but, um, you know, I've been in scenarios where there's been someone in my life who clearly has mental health problems, but they also are exacerbating it with drug use. And it seems really hard. Like sometimes when it's really obvious to me that a person would benefit from stopping drinking completely or not smoking uh, pot anymore, and not just the person, but I'm finding that other people around them are also very resistant to saying, yeah, yeah, they have a problem with alcohol. Maybe they should stop that too. I notice people still make excuses for the for the drug use. I don't know why. Like maybe if they say something like, you're right, maybe that's making the mental health problem worse. They should stop. And maybe we need to address that. The What I get back is, no, they need to see a therapist or no, this is a mental health problem. They don't need to go to a mm. rehab. But really, I think since I was treated for co-occurring mental illness and addiction, I know for a fact that it exacerbates it and it needs to be addressed. And sometimes, in my medical opinion, such as it is, um, it's a good place to start. Yeah. You know, when you have someone like Amy or someone in your life, and a lot of you may know people like this who just spin off the earth, and nobody seems to identify drug use and alcohol as like a major player. Um it happens all the time, and this is the most entertaining and horrifying example of it. Well, I think people recognize when it's drugs, right? But they mm. don't want to recognize it when it's alcohol. Yeah, because there's all the hard. social shit around alcohol, and you don't want to end up demonizing alcohol if yeah. you yourself have uh, are wrestling with uh, with that particular demon, or you have a complicated relationship with alcohol, or if you have a complicated relationship with the person, and maybe there's a little codependency going on there, and maybe, you know, maybe the alcohol self-medication is doing enough of a job that if you're afraid of what that person would be like if they were not self-medicating, or they just don't want to to get to the root of what's causing the mental health issue in their relative in the first place because they're afraid they may be implicated or involved. It's very complicated. But I, but I think you have to, before you can do any serious mental health treatment, you have to stop using yeah. whatever you're using. And, and I only really heard that, when, you know, in my journey to get healthy. Uh, I only heard that when I was finally in like an addiction uh, treatment center type of thing. Before that, it was always sort of swept under the rug or not focused on hmm. as much. But when I finally got into addiction treatment, um, it was the first thing they'd say, like, first things first, we need to stabilize you and get you off of 
you know, alcohol and whatever drugs you're on. And then as if that's an easy right thing to do. And, but that's what, you know, right. and then you're in a place just to do that. But then they have uh, in these co-occurring mental illness and addiction places, they have like a place to stabilize you medically to mm. get you off all the shit. And then, and only then, can you address your mental health issues because you have to see what a person's baseline is. Yeah, you're not thinking clearly when you're no. when you're chasing a. I was high diagnosed with uh, I was diagnosed with like bipolar disorder, uh, anxiety, ADD, like all of this shit, um, and. I don't have any of that no. anymore. Right. And and I've and I'm not just diagnosing myself. I've been going to doctors all of this time and making sure and um and it was all sort of created by uh, drugs and alcohol abuse. So um I mean, yeah. Uh I've I had any number of therapists tell me when I went to see them after 9/11 or when I <laughs> have a drink now yeah. when I went to see him after 9/11 or after uh, my wife passed away like any number of therapists told me the first thing you need to do is stop drinking yeah and so I but they would, don't tell you how no well <laughs> well the, the Buddhist the Zen Buddhist priest that I went to see uh, as a, who was also a licensed therapist in New York told me to go to an AA meeting and yeah um, had a therapist and I couldn't um, otherwise we couldn't do any work and so I went back and he's like, did you go to the meeting? I'm like, absolutely. And I, of course, did yeah. not. And I was still drinking. And so it didn't make much progress yeah. there. But, you know, yeah, it's, uh, do you want to address your mental health issues? Maybe address, address the drinking stuff first. And you may, you never know, you may, your mental health issues may not be there when you, after right. you finish. They might though. Yeah. You know, there, it, there's there definitely may... some organic mental health conditions that, you know, depression, anxiety that may not go away. But you won't know That's until right. you clear it out. And um, one last anecdote before uh, we cut the show short. Um, I got to do a recovery news. Recovery news. So we should get to that. But one last thing. I was seeing a new general practitioner uh, just for my physical, annual physical and all of that. And uh, he was examining me and he said, oh, you're very healthy. You've got great, you know, your blood pressure is great. I said, yeah. Ever, it's, he goes, it says here that you have high blood pressure, uh, but you're not taking blood pressure medication, um, you know, and your blood pressure is basically fine. What do you, uh, how do you, what do you attribute that to? And I said, well, I, I stopped drinking about five years ago and isn't that so great? And I said, oh man, that stuff's poison. I made some throwaway comment like that, you know, it's just poison, you know? And the guy looked at me and he goes, well, you know, you can have like one glass a day. Uh -huh. right. And he got a little bit defensive. Yeah. This is a doctor, you know, yeah. and even he is insecure knowing right. this is bad for you. And he can't even like agree with his own patients wow. that you've done a good thing here by getting rid of the poison. The doctor's trying to talk you into having a glass of wine a day. I, I had one of those too. When I went for an, an insomnia, he told me, just drink, drink wine. Drink, drink. Okay. And now it's time for Recovery in the News. Recovery in the News. Yeah! Alright! Recovery in the News. Recovery in the News. Recovery. That's a new one. You know, I didn't uh, shill for Soberlink. Fuck. Ah, Soberlink. Should I do that? Um, when you know better. You do better. You do better. But sometimes... Sometimes you're, you're having trouble doing better, and you need a device <laughs> to support your doing better. Yeah. That device is Soberlink. Yes. Soberlink is a breathy thing that measures your... Alcohol. You breathe into it. And you do. It tells you how much alcohol you've you've had. Soberlink. 
<laughs> Brought to you by Recovery in the Middle Ages. <laughs> Soberlink.com slash. No. No. Um, you know, Soberlink is so great. So many people have used it for so long. Well, you know, Grant used Soberlink, uh, and it's a device that I think we've lost it. We, <laughs> I don't think we're doing it this time. What the fuck, man? I would love to hear from anyone besides Grant who has used Soberlink. Maybe they can send us some testimonials. Um. Yes. Send us your Soberlink stories and receive $50 off your device. It's like um, the Intoxilock I had to put in my car, except you carry it around with you and you, you use it to remotely uh, report your sobriety to your work, to your family. Soberlink. Okay, I think we've we've run out of time for Soberlink. Have we, though? Because as two men in re- <laughs> al- recovery from alcohol use disorder, we know how difficult it can be to seek help for a d- disease that's so stigmatized. We should- <laughs> if you're struggling to get sober, Soberlink can help. Yes. Small enough to fit in your pocket and discreet enough to use in public or in front of your kids. Soberlink devices combine facial recognition, tamper detection, and mm-hmm. real-time results so friends and family know instantly that you're sober and working towards your recovery goals. It's all about accountability. Mm-hmm. This system would have been a game-changer for Nat and I during the early days of recovery when every bit of accountability helps. Yeah, I wish I had one of these things. When I was trying to prove to my friends and family, I have really gotten sober. Look at it. Here's the results, you schmuck. Right. Make there. 2023, or what's left of it, a memorable one. Visit www.soberlink.com slash middle hyphen ages to sign up and receive $50 off your device. And Mike will middle hyphen your ages. I will. I will. Twice. Soberlink. Um, Soberlink. That's like a double ad. We should I know. charge we should double. Charge, we should charge them more next year. Double, double, double. I mean, or not, because it's ridiculous what we do to them. Soberlink. Yes. Okay, guys. Yeah. Recovery in the news. Okay, recovery uh, in the news. We're going to talk about uh, an article. Grant actually dropped this in the Discord. I, I uh, thought it was a great one. It's from uh, that old reliable source, High Times Magazine. Oh, yes. I remember them. High Times Magazine. High Times. I used to. They had a centerfold. Of buds. Remember? Yeah. yeah. It was a centerfold. <laughs> That was weed. Genius. I, I guess they're still around, maybe only in digital form. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, kudos to High Times for uh, actually reporting on something that doesn't support uh, the well, They're journalists, for God's sake. They are journalists, Mike. So, uh, indeed. Indeed. Um, Journalism. So, so Not wasm. <laughs> that's Not journalism. Almost worthy of a drumbeat. Thank you. Uh, so... The article is, new study suggests that cannabis does not help opioid use disorder. It doesn't. A 20-year-long Australian research project, which followed heroin addicts who also used cannabis, has found that anecdotal evidence supporting cannabis as a harm reduction tool may not be reliable or safe to recommend to recovering addicts. The study was published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, uh, and it followed 600 heroin users for up to 20 years. So that's a long-term, long, long-term study uh, of a fairly decent sample size. Yeah, um, it monitored their cannabis and heroin intake at regular intervals Shit. to try and associate a relationship, positive or negative, between the two. Um, so, and then there's then he talks about the methodology. The results of this study, results, the results, the adults in the study, the results <laughs> of the study did not find cannabis. Adults and results. The re. <laughs> To dult again. Yes. The study of results of the study did not find 
cannabis to be a statistically significant factor in reducing or ceasing a person's opioid use despite anecdotal evidence from addicts who claim the plant helps them use less opioids or stop using them altogether. The lead author of the study credited these misconceptions to the way previous studies were conducted in that they only followed addicts for a short time and did mm. not examine long-term impacts. Mm-hmm. Our investigation shows that cannabis use remains common among this population, but it may not be an effective long-term strategy for reducing opioid use. In fact, it may increase your chances of connecting with Robin Williams in the galactic <laughs> fifth dimension. <laughs> uh, Sorry, Robin. So uh, hmm. it actually seemed to find the inverse, like an increase in cannabis use 24 months after baseline was significantly associated with an increase in heroin use at 36 months. Yeah. So if you start smoking more pot, you'll start doing more heroin. Does that mean that pot is a gateway drug? I dare we call it a gateway drug. That said, the study did not go far so far as to make a claim that cannabis may increase heroin use. Oh, it merely mentioned the data (laughs) because that's a very, that would be a very controversial uh, conclusion to draw. Yeah. Because then it would sort of validate the idea that if you use cannabis, you can move on, you'll move on to harder drugs. Yeah. And they've been saying that since I was a a lad. Yes. And I, the first drug I used after alcohol was cannabis. Yeah. Led me right to the crack man. Cannabinoid. Yeah. Say it with me. Cannabinoids. I'm not going to say that. Cannabinoids. I like that word. It's cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. Or is it cannabinoids? Cannabinoids. What do you guys like? Cannabinoids or cannabinoids? Well, they're going to like cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. Because it's you saying. It's more fun. Yes. <laughs> um, cannabinoids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway... So don't smoke pot, The issue guys. of cannabis as a potential replacement for opioids appears to be a mixed bag, and that's that's how High Times would characterize <laughs> bag. Right, the definitive... <laughs> a glassy a mixed bag. bag. I love it. A mixed glassy pun, bag full of pun, pun, contradictory pun. conclusions yeah. <laughs> that you can put in your pipe and smoke them. That's right. Uh, so more research seems to be needed, I guess. And that's fucking it for this week, guys. I'm sorry. We uh, we got to... We gotta, we got to read and run. Yeah, we got to read and run, but um, I'd like to do a show next week. Is that possible? Can we get back together? We can do Tuesday next we week. We can do Tuesday. Yeah. We will return for another exciting edition. This should get me drunk. I don't Recovering know. the news. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that about does it for today. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for all the kind words on our Facebook group and the Discord and everybody recovering together. Uh, it's just, it's so great to get to know you guys. And um, and thank you so much for listening. I know I had a great time. Did you? Yeah, it was fabulous. Thank you so much. Uh, You're find welcome. us at middleagesrecovery.com. No. Don't. Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, and Twitter. XO, tweet us a twat. You twit, support your favorite show. That's us. Go to the review section so we can have some reviews. Drop us a five-star on Apple Podcast. You can get us on Spotify and give us a review there. Join our private Facebook group. Uh, just search Recovery in the Middle Ages on Facebook. Or go to patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages and join our private clubhouse at the Inner Sanctum on Discord. Get some video shows. Um, or just simply write us at MikeR at MiddleAgesRecovery.com and if you get something out of the show, please help and share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. It's progress, not perfection. We'll see you next time. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Be good. keep your sanity this holiday season. We love you. We do. Goodbye. <laughs>